One of my favorite parts of any album, and especially since I listen to music more on vinyl, is the first second, the first beat, the first note. When you drop the needle and it's going around and sometimes it's scratching a little bit and then the music starts. That's the best feeling. That's absolutely the best feeling. The same things happen with CDs too. You're driving your car, you put a CD in and it's kind of loading and you're waiting and then all of a sudden it startles you and whatever that beat is, maybe it's that squishy snare on Sue Studio or whatever it is you're listening to, that's a great feeling, and that's what I want to talk about today on today's episode. We're going to kind of list, we're going to rank from what I think is the not-so-great to the absolute best album opener by Phil Collins. We did this a couple of months ago with the Genesis records. We also did the Genesis album closers, which we'll eventually do with Phil, but today we're focusing on the album openers. Let's dive in. Now, with any one of these uh, videos, I like to establish a little bit of a criteria because some people are like, oh, Tearing and Breaking is the best album opener. Do you know that song? It is. It's really good. It's one of the best album openers, but it's not an album opener. So the criteria I have first off right away is that this has to be a song from a proper studio album. So I'm going to disqualify live albums. I'm going to disqualify compilations like the Love Song compilation or Greatest Hits. I also have to disqualify the soundtracks, although I'm looking at my numbers here, I should have included the soundtracks because then it would give us a top 10. So maybe I should have included the soundtracks. Okay, I just left for a couple of minutes. I'm actually gonna include the soundtracks. I'll tell you why. Uh, the two big ones, uh, not Buster, because Buster isn't like all Phil Collins. The, the ones I feel like Phil had his hand in the whole picture, so Brother Bear and Tarzan. So. Okay, I'm cheating here. This is my channel. I can do this. I want you to make your own list. You know that. Uh, and if you want to include some other things and break my own rules, that's fine. But I, I just went and threw the, um, <laughs> the Tarzan and the Brother Bear opener on here, and I listened to them again. I was like, oh my gosh, these are great openers. Now, I would argue that like my list is really just a list of openers and not in any sort of rank. I've tried to rank them, but I feel like there's maybe only one that I think isn't that great one or two and but i think the rest are perfect and I'm, so we'll see we'll see how this goes i feel like i'm gonna have an equally hard time when we do the closers but let's move on the other criteria i have uh and because if you make your own list i want you to follow the same rules but the other criteria i have is the song has to set the tone for the record it really has to set the tone for the record meaning you listen to it and you go, okay, now I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to this album because it's like the opening scene and it sets the tone and you get a feeling for what the album is going to be like. And the album has to live up to that tone setter of the opening track. That's just my rule. I like to put an album on the turntable, lay back on the couch and begin my journey. I don't like it when there's a juxtaposition between song one and then song two or song one and then the rest of the album. Also, I think the song needs to be exciting and interesting and intriguing. It has to be a well-written song. I mean, we could have an al album opener that is that does set the tone for the record, that does kind of like lyrically set the tone. For example, Wake Up Call sets the tone, but is it a great song? I don't know. So to me, it's like these, I'm also judging on the fact that is this a well-written song? Is it a catchy song? Is it one of Phil's like well-known songs? Is the production good? I mean, bonus points if it's a really well-known song, but yet without overshadowing the record, okay? That was a lot of nonsense. Here we go. Starting at number 10 at the very bottom of my list, I'm putting both sides of the story. 
Do I like this song? Yes. Do I love this album? Yes. Is there a problem with this song on this album? Kinda. Two reasons. Lyrically, it doesn't match the rest of the record. The rest of the record is about a marriage falling apart, and this is about war and and social justice issues and struggles in that were happening in the 90s. I mean, I guess there's both sides of the story, right? So, I mean, this is talking about like ch children dealing with divorce and then there's talking about uh, poverty. So it, it is maybe a metaphor for um, how he's feeling in his marriage and how his partner might be feeling on their side of the coin. So both sides, I... So for that, lyrically, I kind of get it, but I feel like the social justice commentary comes out a little bit too strong. I feel like he should have maybe used another dedicated a verse to another analogy, like similar into the love vein. Anyway, but musically too, it's just, it's different. It's a little bit more of, but seriously, it would make a good segue into both sides. But like once can't turn back the years and every day gets going, we are now set onto this cruise control of super chill 90s e-piano vibes, which I love. I absolutely love. Now, what's my alternative? Um, maybe... We wait and we wonder, but that's kind of the same problem. Maybe Survivors, because Survivors is about his daughter going through this divorce. So Survivors could have been a good opener. And that kind of has that upbeat, exciting, but seriously feel. So maybe I would have picked Survivors as an opener. Um, I don't think Both Sides is a bad song. Both Sides of the Story is a great song, made a made for a decent um, single. Uh, I really like it. It's on his Greatest Hits album. Uh, he played it live every now and then. Uh, I, I really like the song. Uh, there's probably five or six, seven other songs I prefer over it, but uh, I don't hate it. It's just like for a dinner party, right? If you want to drop the needle on track two, the album is really peaceful and chill for most parts, with the exception of Survivors and We Wait and We Wonder. But even that is a little bit more subdued than the kind of the brashy both sides of the story. So like if you are having a dinner party, you're going to drop the needle on track two. That's just my opinion. Okay. Number nine is wake up call from the album testify. Now I know that Phil really likes this song. I dislike it from a production standpoint. Um, but I was listening to it again yesterday and the, my my biggest caveat with this whole channel is I get to change my mind. Okay. What I, I put this on my top five least favorite Phil Collins songs about 18 months ago when I was starting this channel. I regret that. I don't think it's my least favorite song. I think there are other songs on Testify or maybe one other song on Testify that I like less than this. I actually do like this song. Um, I'm really coming around on it. So I'm allowed to change my mind. As an opener, what is good about it? Wake up call, right? Alarm clock. It's a great way to open a record. That that totally works. Come on, get out. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it, it seems like a we're getting started song. I just think when you look at the rest of this list from a songwriting standpoint, compare it to Take a Look Through My Eyes from Brother Bear, you compare it to some other songs that have that kind of wake up, let's get going feel. Uh, what else would I say? Dance Into the Light, for example. There's just better versions of it out there. So I'm putting it low at my list, but I actually do like it. I'm really coming around to it. I don't love the production of it. There's kind of like a brittle digital sound to testify. Uh, I just feel like we could have infused a little bit more uh, organic instruments. It was a dark period. Early 2000s were a dark period. Are we, we're not yet, oh brother, we're thou territory of like people bringing in more analog instruments like Hammond B3 organs and banjos. Yet we're also kind of have already abandoned some of those like lushy 
80s synths and drum machines. And so it was this like weird era of like digital, bad digital, you know, um, not for Phil, but just that's what I'm just saying. That era was weird. Number eight is this is weird. I don't know where to put this girl. Why do you want to make me blue? Um, it's a it's a really good way to start that record. I'm not a huge fan of that record, but it is a really good way to start that record. It's exciting. However, I feel like that record, the title track going back is my favorite song from that album. It's the most Phil Collinsy song on that record. And on the kind of best of that they did on the reissue in 2016 that also came out on vinyl, they did going back as the opening song. I feel like that See, this is weird. It sets the tone thematically, lyrically. It's a best. It's one of the better songs, but it doesn't set the tone because the rest of the album sounds like "You Can't Hurry Love." The rest of the album sounds like "Girl, Why Do You Want to Make Me Blue?" Love is like a heat wave. So, uh, you know, I feel like both of those are tied because they're both great songs. They're both a great way to open this album. It's a toss up as to which one is better. I feel like originally going back was buried too deep on the album that you would never get to it, but it is a really cool song. And thematically it makes a ton of sense for it to be the opener, but this one is a good opener too. Moving on. Number seven, dance into the light. Is this a great song? Absolutely. Horns are great. It is this big apologetic song where Phil was like, okay, we get it. You didn't like both sides. Let's go back to that hanging long enough feel. And we open up with big drums, big horns, classic Phil style. Uh, the music video is exciting. The artwork is way different than anything he's ever done before. So this is a great opener. It checks all my boxes. Is it one of Phil's best songs? Yes. Does it set the tone for the record? A hundred percent it does. Is it a great written song and a great production? Yes, yes, yes. I really, really, really like this song. One of my favorite from the album. Uh, there's some moodier, darker stuff. There's some more chill stuff on this record that I, I also really like. There's some Beatles-esque tunes on this record. Have we done a review of this album? No, we haven't. We will soon. Um, but anyway, I really like Dance Into the Light. And it's a good al uh, it's a good album opener. It's like you press play, you know what you're in for. You're in for these like interesting Afro uh, ur urban Latin. I'm just saying a bunch of words, um, but it's some cool vibes, right? Harry Kim told me, and, and I just got to I'm so it's so bizarre, but Harry Kim told me that Phil had demoed all of these songs for dance into the light. And then he planned to meet up with the band. Uh, where was it? Where was it that they were meeting? Um, in France? No. Paris, South of France. I can't remember Spain, maybe Portugal. Anyway, they were going to meet up somewhere and um, they were going to record this after they rehearsed it. They were going to record it live in a club and give it that kind of live club feel, you know, like a like a like a hot jazz club kind of thing. But that Phil, no, he was ended up becoming a little too tight and close with his demos and it got away on them. But I would love to hear what that would have sounded like. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe they rehearsed it and we have some live recordings out there of their rehearsal. That would be really cool. Just a little looser, right? Live and loose in, in Paris. Was that it? So, you know, like maybe just a little bit looser uh, would have been cool. A little less drum machines, a little bit more. Those moments where like somebody's count, counting in like, all right, let's go. And that, that kind of stuff and some squeaks and the horns and, and those kind of mistakes. That would have been cool. Dancing the Light, great album opener. Okay, number six, and you are going to kill me for this, but I want to defend myself. You're going to kill me and you're going to hang up the phone right now. I know you are. Number six is in the air tonight from the album Face Value. Don't shoot, don't shoot. Let me explain. Is it a great song? Of course it's a great song. Is it a good album opener? Yeah, 
It actually is a good album opener. In fact, it could be his best album opener. Is this his best song? Yes. Is it a popular song? I think so. Let me tell you why it's so low on my list. Well, first of all, there's some other songs that he has that I think are just really exciting and really, really good. And they set the tone. My biggest problem with this, and it's my biggest problem with face value, even though I adore face value, but my biggest problem with in the air tonight is that it doesn't set the tone for the album. Let's say you had never heard of Phil Collins before. You've never heard face value and you press play on the, in the air tonight and it's moody and it's such a long crescendo into the big climax. And you're like, Oh my gosh, what am I listening to? This is the most innovative music I've ever heard. What I imagine a lot of people who had heard this for the first time in the early eighties, this is an exciting sound. And then what are you followed up with? This must be love. Another great track, but a little different from this kind of, Eno-esque, uh, ominous, dark, Genesis-esque sound of In the Air Tonight into something a little bit more funkier with this slide bass. And then what comes next? A Motown song, Behind the Lines. And then what comes next? A country song. So does the In the Air Tonight set the tone for what you're about to hear on the rest of side A of Face Value? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Now, if you were to flow into that, into droned, then uh, into maybe uh, this must be love and then maybe into thunder and lightning. I don't know, you know, maybe. But that's my issue always with face value is how it's not sonically cohesive. I've talked about this on the channel before. I don't care. It's a historical artifact. I'm sure Phil would do things different now that he knew that song would would change that album would change his life. But it does have a mixtape feel. That's okay. But it just means that In the Air Tonight does not fit my criteria as an amazing album opener. Okay? That's my argument. You can disagree. But that's why I'm putting it low on my list. And there's some other tunes I really love. Like, number five, Susudio. Susudio is uh, one of the th strikes that you could give Susudio is that it does overshadow the album a little bit. But... All the other 80s songs on here, Don't Lose My Number, Who Said I Would, Only You Know and I Know, they're huge too. They're huge. They're just as big as Sue Studio. So I don't feel like this is like, you know, like in the air tonight or both sides of the story where you have like the biggest song on the album and then everything else is kind of a little bit more timid. No, no, no. I think I think Sue Studio is a huge opener. There is no greater feeling than dropping the needle or pressing play on your iPod or on your CD player or you know, pressing play on the cassette, waiting a little bit as it kind of like the gears are grabbing the reels. And then you hear that whoop, sound. I can't do it. And then all of a sudden that super squishy Lindrum. I mean, such a great feeling, right? So that's why I really love this as an album opener, because it's absolutely the best tone setter on my entire list. When you listen to this, um, you know what you're in for. I mean, long, long way to go, throws you for a loop a little bit, but it, it bounces back right away. You know what you're in for. You're in for like, and you look at the, the picture on the cover, same thing with Dance in the Light cover versus Dance in the Light, the song. You look at the Sue Studio song and the, or the, the No Jacket Required cover, he's sweating, he's in a club very obviously, and then you hear this song, you know what you're in for. This is a dance record, it's a pop record. So yeah, uh, Sue Studio is number five for me. I love that song and I love that as an album opener. Number four, and we just updated this list while I was still recording by including some, um, some uh, soundtracks here is Look Through My Eyes. I kind of forgot. This is a really good song. Um, 
you know, listen, I, I, I'll talk about Brother Bear another day. Brother Bear is a is a good soundtrack that has some asterisks all over it. Um, he had already done it with Tarzan, and it's like when it's like when uh, you know when a quarterback wins a Super Bowl, then signs with another team to try to do it again. You know, it's like you should have maybe retired at that point. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's like one of the asterisks. It's like, well, you you nailed it with Tarzan. Like Tarzan's an 11 out of 10 album. Like you're you're really like playing with with luck here. You're really tempting fate by trying it again. The other asterisk is, is that Disney was in shambles by the time Brother Bear came out. They were not making the same type of movies that they are now and that they were just prior to Tarzan and Tarzan and prior. So there's, and then of course the early two thousands was just not a popular time for guys like Phil. So brother bear was just swept under the rug by a lot of people, but there's some incredible, 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 incredible songs on there and look through my eyes is one of them. And it's a really great opener. It's one of the better songs from that testify era. It really, um, it's that mid-tempo fill that I love so darn much. Um, it's something's happening. It, it gets exciting and it lives up. And he's just belting it so loud. Some incredible drums. This is a great song. It's a really, really, really good song. Did I include this on my soundtrack song list? Oh my gosh. I've made so many mistakes along the way. You got to forgive me. It's so weird because like what... Um, a year or so before this, he had a song called Through My Eyes, which is spelt differently. Uh, on Testify, it's the penultimate track. It is slowly becoming top five Phil Collins songs for me. It is the most goosebumpy song I've ever heard. The verses are insane. Yeah, I just absolutely love that song. I can't stop talking about it. Easily the most underrated Phil Collins song of all time. Through My Eyes from Testify. Uh, so I often get it confused with look through my eyes from brother bear. And that's maybe why I dismissed it. But now that we're adding the soundtrack songs, not including Buster or some of the other ones that are just part of a bigger soundtrack, but a soundtrack where Phil had kind of like crafted the whole thing from start to finish. We're putting look through my eyes at number four and number three, we're putting Tarzan's two worlds. Two worlds is nuts, nuts. I mean, listen, Dance into the light was great. Both sides was great. But that fill, that crazy fill from hand in hand and from butt seriously and from take me home and all these really ambitious tunes that he's done. We hadn't heard from him in a while. Dance in the light was good. There's some cool drum stuff on there. Both sides was a different vibe, totally different vibe. But Two Worlds is unreal. And it's number three on my list. It could be number two. It could be number one. What's happening is that it sounds like somebody is bouncing a tennis ball around a room full of drums and percussive instruments. And it sounds a little bit like a mess, like chaos, like somebody fumbling their way through a studio in the dark. The rhythms become a little bit more coherent and then very coherent and louder and louder. And then you realize it's Phil Gollins. And so that should be enough, right? It's a soundtrack song. So usually soundtrack songs aren't that melodic. Usually they are more about supporting the picture. And so we would be okay if Two Worlds was just a lot of cool drums. 
and there's some strings happening. It's ominous and spooky. And then all of a sudden it switches. It turns into a very beautiful major key. Then we hear Phil, put your faith in what you most believe in. He's starting to sing this verse and it sounds like we've just caught up to him. It sounds like he's already been singing this song and we're finally just caught up and now we're listening in on this great song. I think even the visuals in the movie, it's like, it's like swinging and, and running through the dark jungle and then coming out to a moment of light. It would be enough just for this to be an incredible percussive song accompanied by strings and a philharmonic orchestra. Instead, we get that plus an incredibly beautiful song. And the melody is, is fantastic. It's one of the best songs on this album, and this album is jam-packed with great songs. Uh, it definitely sets the tone. It sets the tone for the whole movie. It flows really nicely into You'll Be In My Heart, which then flows beautifully into Son of Man. The radio version is fantastic. Two Worlds is an unbelievable song, and it came at such a great time for Phil. It really, you know, uh, it just hit reset on what everyone thought about Phil Collins, and uh, we get to hear him as a drummer and as a composer. Two Worlds. I'm so glad I decided to include the the um, soundtrack songs. Okay, number two, and I think I'm throwing in my own little bias here, my own little preference, but number two, I'm putting Hanging Long Enough because it's pretty darn exciting. It's really exciting. I think it's a phenomenal song. And I think the number one reason why I put it number one, and I think I could, honestly, if I spent a little more time, I would maybe shuffle things around. I could maybe put Two Worlds above this just because of like, just how well composed that song is. I think the reason why I wanted to put it at number one was what Harry Kim contributed to it. And you can watch that interview I did with him when he talked about them trying to figure out this intro, like a horn intro or some way to intro the song. Phil, knowing that this would probably be the album opener, how are we going to open this new album? Especially an album that came after No Jacket Required, which was a record that won Album of the Year at the Grammys. So it had been a couple years, and now there's a lot of pressure on Phil. He just had Invisible Touch. He just had Buster. There's a ton of pressure here. Harry Kim writes this just mind-bending, lip-bending hook on the trumpet that becomes a signature to this album. And it really kind of sets the tone for Phil and horns. I mean, he used them, no doubt, on No Jacket Required. But But Seriously is like where horns are just ripping it. Hanging long enough, heat on the street, Saturday night and Sunday morning. It's even on Find a Way to My Heart. Something happened on the way to heaven. We take a little break with both sides and then we get them back and dance in the light. But really, I love the way that Phil owns the horns on this record. And hanging long enough is cool. Great message too, right? Hanging long enough. It's just a good opener. Does it set the tone for the record? Yes. I'm always confused why he did those two mid-tempo ballads, tracks two and three, and then we get something happen on the way to heaven again. I find the track listing on this album to be weird. I talked about that when we did the review. Even how he has like all of my life, father to son, find a way to my heart. But then like Saturday night and Sunday morning is injected in the middle of that beautiful little family life trio. I, that to me is weird. The whole track listing on this album is a little bit weird, but that's okay. Hanging long enough is my number two. Just because of that feeling, man, of pressing play and hearing that. Oh, it's crazy, crazy. Did I do it right? I think I, I think I nailed it. And then number one is I don't care anymore. And I'll tell you, this is a very objective pick because I'm not a huge fan of this album, although I am certainly falling more and more in love with it. Uh, don't dislike it by any means. 
Um, and I'm not a huge fan of this song. I don't always feel like, hey, let's go put that song on. I often will put on It Don't Matter to Me or I Cannot Believe It's True or Don't Let Them Steal Your Heart Away or even You Can't Hurry Love occasionally. There's so many songs I often love to just listen to individually. I Don't Care Anymore is not often one of them, although I think it's a phenomenal song. So let's talk about it. I think it's a great album opener. In fact, I think there's a lot of people who would agree with me that it's a better album opener than In the Air Tonight. I don't necessarily think it's a better song. I don't think it's a copy of In the Air Tonight in the same way that maybe Through These Walls were. But I think it's mean. It's tough. It's aggressive. It's basically, I mean, yeah, it's recycling the divorce stuff a little bit too much. But I just think, man, he is really, really tough. I think the drums sound really great, too. They're a very standalone, unique sound. It's Phil's drumming. You know that. It's a very, very unique pattern. Um, and uh, I think it's a really nice opener. I, I don't also, I mean, the drum solo that goes into I Cannot Believe It's True, I feel flow nicely. So I know you might think, well, this does kind of flow into a Motown-y song. But I, I do think that flow works a little bit better than it does on face value. I also think it kind of just lifts that darkness that this song brings. But I think it's a great song. I know that it's actually a fan favorite. Even though it wasn't a huge hit, a lot of fans really, really love this song. He's open tours with this song. And then it ends really well too, right? It ends with that kind of abrupt feeling like he did on Long, Long Way to Go. And that flows really nice into the next song. So I do think this is probably his best album opener. But as I make this list, and I want you to make yours in just one second, but as I make this list, I realize that like if I were to shuffle this list, like put them in a jar and shuffle them and like pull out new ones, I probably would be happy with that. In fact, whatever list you leave down below in the comments, your own subjective best album openers using these 10 songs, I'm probably going to agree with it. We're going to see a bunch of different versions in the comments. And I think I'll be like, oh, yeah, actually, that makes a ton of sense. And you might say, this is why In the Air Tonight should be higher. Or this is actually why both sides should be higher. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. So I am going to change my mind. We'll redo this video in 10 years from now. And it'll probably be inverted. But this was my list today. I've already decided to change it, probably. But I think I Don't Care Anymore is a pretty good opener. Let's go back from number 10, both sides of the story. Number nine, Wake Up Call. Number eight, Girl, Why Do You Want to Make Me Blue? And we can tie it with Going Back because I think they're both good album openers for that album. Number seven is Dancing the Light. Number six is In the Air Tonight. Number five is Sue Studio. Number four, Look Through My Eyes from Brother Bear. Number three, Two Worlds from Tarzan because we're allowing those soundtracks. And number two, Hanging Long Enough. Uh, and number one, I don't care anymore. But I do care what your list is. So go ahead and leave your list in the comments. And if you want to chat about this, come over to our Patreon. Be a member of our Patreon. Support the channel. It'll be so awesome. And we can we can argue about the best album opener. Now, are we going to do uh, best album closers? You bet. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button. For exclusive videos, behind-the-scenes content, and to have your say on future topics before I film, have a look at our Patreon page. Thanks for watching.